Yo, listen up. Here's the podcast about Chapter 12, Strawberry's Adventure. And we're gonna talk about it because I can't sing. Hello, and welcome to Chronically Narnia, Chapter 12 of the Magician's Nephew Discussion, Take Two. Unfortunately, we had a situation come up in which we recorded an episode, we think, and it's not here. So this is going to be a discussion of Chapter 12, Redux. Uh, So we might be a little confused as to whether or not we've talked about things or not, or have. So, good luck to all listeners and podcast hosts alike. (laughs) Welcome to Chronically Narnia, Chapter 12, our discussion on Strawberry's Adventure. Uh, Chapter 12 of The Magician's Nephew in uh, in the Chronicles of Narnia. I'm sick and mentally distracted. Also, uh... I am a toffee tree. <laughs> my name is Kristen, and this is my co-host. I am where Arkenland will be one day. Uh, also known as Chris. Hello, Chris. Uh, that was a very existential uh, intro that I did there. Yeah, you are where Arkenland will one day be. Yeah, it's a, it's a deep thought. Well, anyway, welcome to... <laughs> Another exciting episode. We uh, we might be a bit off throughout this one because this is a re-record. We think. We think. I'm not sure that I've read my rewrite to Chris before of this. I'm pretty sure I've. I don't know. I don't. We we, we don't know. So <laughs> we may or may not have recorded episode twelve before, but either way, this will be new to us. Um, it's we will a good have time. very very different talking points. So. You know, you'll you'll get all that same fun banter and, and squabbling that you enjoy from us and while you turn in. We are so sorry. Yes. Uh, it's the holiday season, Kristen. How's that going? It's going. We got our Christmas tree today. We did get our Christmas tree. Isn't that That's, exciting? It's very exciting. We're uh, proud members of the Real Tree Association of America. We've got badges and everything. Yeah. Do you got a badge? Yeah. Oh. I, did, I didn't give you yours? <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> Oh, sorry. It must be in the car still. (laughs) You can tell we're professional writers. Anyway, so we're going to talk about Chapter 12 now. Um, This is a hard one. If you've read the book and if you're reading along with this, you'll know that not a lot happens in this chapter, and it isn't very good. I'm I'm spoiling my rating, like, way ahead of time, but... uh, it's just not great. Um, okay. But before I say more about it, let's go ahead and do our recap. Kristen, if you would like to... We'll see. Go All right. I'm going to go ahead and do my recap here. This is our uh, five-sentence summary. We're taking five sentences that we've selected from the chapter out of the text. We're pulling them out of context and attempting to build a summary with sentences from the chapter. So here is my chapter uh, summary. Are you ready to undo the wrong you have done to my sweet country of Narnia on the very day of its birth? My dear, said Aslan to the horse, would you like to be a winged horse? 
Next moment, the country dropped away beneath them and whirled round as fledged like a huge pigeon, circled once or twice before setting off on his long westward flight. As they came nearer to the earth and among the hills, the air grew warmer, and after traveling so many hours with nothing to listen to but the beat of Fledge's wings, it was nice to hear the homely and earthy noises again, the chatter of the river on its stony bed and the creaking of trees in the light wind. Fledge stayed awake much longer, moving his ears to and fro in the darkness and sometimes giving a little shiver with his skin as if a fly had lighted on him. But in the end, he too slept. Okay. Okay, that was good. A lot of very complex, not complex, compound sentences. Long, long compound sentences there. So I feel like you get a, like a, I don't know. There's a lot of recapping. I'm tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, so here's mine. Ready, set, go. Are you ready to undo the wrong that you have done to my sweet country of Narnia on the very day of its birth? He didn't know how it was to be done, but he was quite sure he would be able to do it. Will you carry this little son of Adam on your back to the mountain valley I spoke of? I think the little girl would love to go too, if it weren't no trouble. At last, Fledge alighted. So for you, you've summarized the chapter ending at Fledge taking off and then landing somewhere. And you've completely passed them uh, planting the toffee, sleeping, having a conversation, this weird sense that there's something amiss. Yeah, because I feel like I feel like character-wise, everything important here happens before they take off. Okay. I have, I have a big note in my notes that says red herring question mark. Um, which is something that stood out to me is this whole scene by the river once they've alighted that you just completely ignored. So we'll obviously get to that later. But in the meantime, um, what are some of the kind of points that you felt you wanted to, to touch on or draw out? I have a list of notes, but... Man, this was a hard one. Uh, as like I said at the beginning, not a lot happens here. Uh, so well, let's just go through it point by point like we do. Uh, so first we open the chapter with Diggory fessing up to his crimes, uh, against not humanity, but, you know, Narnia. Um, and Aslan kind of brings the hammer down on him a little bit and is like, hey, you're going to make up for this. I have a job for you. And, you know, doesn't really give Diggory a chance to object to it, or at least Diggory feels that way. I mean, he asks a direct question, are you ready to undo the wrong that you've done to my sweet country of Narnia on the very day of its birth? Like, we both started with that. So that is phrased as a question, and and you kind of summed up Diggory's response better than I did by following that up with the, he didn't know if he was going to be able to do it, but he felt sure that he would be able to do, like... So... And this is before he knows anything about what this entails, as in just like, hey, you got to make up for this. And Diggory's like, sure. So, I mean, good for him, I guess, that he's uh, he's brave enough to be willing to do whatever it takes to, you know, solve this problem he's created, or at least in part. Yeah. Uh, so we have this exchange with Diggory, and Diggory says sure, and Diggory has this brief moment where he's like, 
oh, hey, maybe I should ask about that thing I want for my mom. Wait, this is a bad time. <laughs> yeah, I think I put in my plot summary list, like, Aslan asks Diggory for help, mm-hmm. which I don't know is necessarily accurate so much as, like, you know, like you're saying, like, Aslan says, like, here's how you can help. Yeah, it's kind of a You're gonna do question. it, right? <laughs> like, uh-huh. And... Yeah, I, I feel like Aslan doesn't really need help here. Like, we we have seen enough of his, his power and whatnot that he could very easily, like, do whatever needs to be done. But this is him giving Diggory an opportunity to redeem himself. Yeah. And here's a little redemption, little redemption note here that we strike. And uh, it involves going on a journey. And I think this... This, I feel like, is almost an homage to something like the hobbit where it's they've taken the is, hobbits to isengard yeah, this is a this is a fantasy journey story condensed into a very small chapter yeah like, <laughs> and i mean like uh, spoilers aside but they're going to be done with this journey in chapter 13 like yeah, this isn't the rest of the book yes. is this hero's journey of redemption like yes. this is they're on their way and in the next chapter, they're going to get there, be done, and come back. Like, yeah. it's not like this is the book, is this redemption narrative. It is just... Which, here's my hot take for the the beginning of the episode. I like heroes' journey stories. I love them to death. Uh, and I, a lot of my favorite books follow that kind of formula. And I think the book as a whole would have been better if that had been the thread. Mm-hmm. like first two or three chapters we just sum up what Diggory did wrong and what happened and then the rest of the book is just him going on this redemption story and I feel like the book would have been much better for it I'm sorry to the estate of C.S. Lewis um, well I mean <laughs> as an individual book I agree with you but uh-huh. as the prequel book that it's written to be uh-huh. after you've already had stories that were like that in the in the narrative, in the collective uh, chronicles, like you have to, you have to consider that this is meant to be the story of the founding of Narnia, as opposed to a hero's journey story. So I agree with you absolutely that it would have been a better story that if this was chapter four. Uh huh. Yeah. Thank you for agreeing with me and responding to that. Um, so we have this commission. A lot of commissions in this book where Aslan, you know, gets people to do things and gives inspiring speeches and sends forth And uh, summons up. And summons up. I mean, up. let's go back to Nellie, who's now apparently Queen Ellen. Queen, and, and we get, we, we're not quite there, uh, but Nellie gets her first dialogue of the entire book. Maybe her only dialogue of the entire book in And it chapter. does not pass the Bechdel test. It references passing the Bechdel test, though. It is two women <laughs> yes. who are named characters yes. having a conversation about Diggory. I feel like they were talking about Polly wanting to go on this journey, which was not necessarily which about Diggory. Which is Polly wanting to go with Diggory. Yeah, it's a fine it's, line. It's a real it's, fine line, I it's think. It's about Diggory. <laughs> and you're very disappointed in that. I am. Uh-huh. I'm upset. Also, is Nellie a nickname for Helen, or is she, her name changed? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's just Nellie. Maybe that was You're a common... You're my research source. 
and I didn't think to look up her name. Okay, fine. Just don't worry about the female characters. I mean, I <laughs> I know Aslan is an anagram for nasal. That that's <laughs> if you want name trivia. <laughs> I mean, that could be that could be a tie-in with our chapter where we talk about noses a lot. <laughs> spoilers no that was chapter 11 oh that was chapter 11 that's uh, already up that was last week yeah Yeah. so there there's there's my research um (laughs) you didn't bring that up last week no because i just thought of it right now um anyway so the titular element of this is that this chapter is about strawberry's adventure which is not what this chapter is about this chapter is about aslan's plan of redemption for narnia and how Diggory is going to go on this, but mm-hmm. we do have Strawberry ceasing to be a character because Strawberry now has a new name as this Pegasus that he has been turned into, and he is now called Fledge. Yeah, like Aslan just comes up to Strawberry and he's like, so hey, how would you like to be the father of all flying horses? And and Strawberry slash Fledge is just like, yeah. And I, I, I want to take a moment to like dwell here and say what a weird moment this is because let's put yourself in in, in strawberry's shoes here. Uh, let's say let's say God comes up to you one day and is just like, hey, hey. you want to be the father of all nations? Uh, your name is now Abraham. It's not Abram anymore. Well, why you gotta make all serious? I was getting I was getting <laughs> geared up for a joke there because it I. I I feel like it's more transformative literally than that. Now, what I was going to say was he comes up to you and is like, hey, Kristen, do you want to be the mother of all mermaids? Heck yes. <laughs> hey, that's, and that would be your response. Now, maybe that was a, a bad example because that's something Kristen would very thoroughly agree to very well, maybe, quickly. Maybe that's all strawberries ever wanted is to fly. <laughs> like, why you got to be all like horses can't have dreams? I want to fly <laughs> like pigeon. <laughs> like a I, huge pigeon. I just I, I do feel like it's interesting that he is com- of all the birds to compare <laughs> strawberry to, he is compared to a pigeon, which are not typically thought of as graceful flying creatures. Well, I think that that's kind of the point is that it's this horse that's always just been a cabby horse and all of a sudden it's like, "Yo, look at this. I can fly, ma." <laughs> Look, ma, no hooves. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> I definitely think we've recorded about this before. Maybe not. I don't think so. This is uh, this is why we can't uh, skip weeks and mess around with our recording order because this this happens. So in my notes, I had this um, note about grief. And I felt like uh, to to take a radical mm. swing from our from our comedic moment that we just had. Yeah, I feel like there is a grief that is shared here because we talk about Diggory seeing the grief in Aslan's eyes, and it's part of what makes him want to do something for Aslan. It's part of what makes him feel like he can't ask Aslan to help his mother, mm-hmm. you know, because he's feeling that that sense of grief from Aslan as much as Diggory is feeling that grief for his mother and that there's this kind of mutual moment of grief. Um, 
Sorry, we were talking about Strawberry being a flying pigeon, and now I'm talking about Diggory's dying no, that, mom. That's, that's something worth touching on, and Aslan has this moment where he's like, hey, you and I are the only people in this world who understand what grief is. Yeah. Which, totally overlooking the cabbie, I'm sure he's old enough to... And I feel like that's an interesting reflection on the cabbie. Like, we've (laughs) talked about how the cabbie is this genuine, sincere character. We talk about how Polly is this, like, almost non-character and how uninvolved she is in things. And it is these two characters, Aslan and Diggory, who have had any experience of grief that are having a conversation about how to save the world. Mm-hmm. Like, and it almost feels like this has become some kind of, you know, like, we're, we're talking about C.S. Lewis here, who, who wrote books about grief, like the problem of pain and, and things like that, where he discusses in depth the spiritual aspects of grief. And I think that he's kind of putting that out there in this children's book to be like, grief is something that gives you power because it gives you an ability to help people that you wouldn't have otherwise even if they haven't experienced the grief yet yeah um and so it's aslan having this conversation with diggory being like you and i are the only ones here who have experienced grief and everyone else here is likely to be is more likely to experience grief now because of what you've done so you need to do something to make it right yeah that's i mean that's a really heavy line for aslan to drop here just like uh, I like reframing moments in these books, just, just to, like, I, I say these books like we've done more than one at this point, but I like reframing moments in this book just to give a different perspective on it, and just this situation where you have an, an eight or nine-year-old kid talking to, you know, either a god or the capital G god, as far as he's concerned, and god's like, hey, you and I have got something in common that nobody else here does. Like some that's that's heavy. Yeah. It's something heavy to drop on a kid. <laughs> yeah. Like you understand something that I understand in a way that nobody else here can understand. And that's Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we like talk about grief in this kind of way where it's just like this is a reality of your in my life. And we now have this kind of moment of connection where we talked about a lot of the parallels before between uh, Uncle Andrew and the witch, mm-hmm. where they are described in similar ways. They're described in beast terms. They're described as having these particular um, mark on them. They're both described as having done deplorable things in order to get their power. And spoken deplorable words even and then you have this moment of parallels between aslan who is this creature who is as the witch said has stronger magic than him Mm -hmm. and diggory this kid so yeah like that's something that'll mess you up Mm -hmm. to be like all right so the witch is afraid of you the witch who who i have witnessed the devastation she caused Mm mm-hmm She's afraid of you. Yeah. And you have something in common with me that no one else here does. Uh-huh. It's, I don't know, it's a lot. It's a good moment. Uh, so anyway, Strawberry is a flying pigeon now. His name is Fledge. We, from here on <laughs> out, we have to re- refer to him as 
as Fledge. I said flying pigeon. Like, that was some fantastical creature. (laughs) You did. He's a flying pigeon. I know you've never seen a pigeon that can fly before. Have you ever seen one of these pigeons? (laughs) (laughs) I hear there's a whole mess of them in New York City. They're they're (laughs) pigeons. They're like pigs, but they're eons old. Oh, I thought we were talking. I thought we were making Pokemon jokes. Uh, anyway, oh, Pidgeys. Yeah, these Pidgeys. These Pidgeys, fantastical creatures. Um, we have also got um, his name being changed to Fledge, which for me strikes of like fledgling, like a fledgling bird mm-hmm. um, falling out of the nest. And I'm like, I really don't want to get on your back, Fledge, <laughs> and trust you to fly me somewhere safely. Like, yeah. Another, another, uh, here's sorry, another, not sorry. here's another fun reframing moment for that, that you just brought to mind. It's just like, imagine, you know, you're going on a journey and some guy goes up to you and it's just like, Hey, so I'm going to be driving you there. I, I just learned to drive like five minutes ago, but get in the back <laughs> of my car. I'll be fine. Like that's, yeah. that's what's going on here. Yeah. As <laughs> it's like, you want to take him over there? Cool. You take him. <laughs> And, like, they talk about how, like, even when they're flying, like, the only thing that they can hear is the beat of Fledge's wings. Which, I, I mean, this is an an inhuman ability of these two kids to just immediately switch to calling him Fledge when they've met <laughs> him and known him as Strawberry. Yeah. Like, I have so much respect for them in that. Just throwing that out there as a little side note. Well, I respect their ability to just like be like, oh yeah, no, your name is Fledge now. Well, Lewis probably also didn't want to just write the same sentence five times where he's like, oh straw, oh I mean Fledge, and I, like that's I I just I I have bad respect for the characters. Uh-huh. Like that's all. I'm just I'm just saying a positive thing about some characters in a book. It's cool. Don't uh, worry about it. So so <laughs> then. Um, we have them flying off and we have this discussion, um, that I love. Before we get there, I want to bring one more thing up. Another, not literary reference, but since I like to make references to other fiction and how this reminds me of it, uh, this one's out of left field and you won't see it coming. But I had this very Dora the Explorer moment in this chapter where Aslan is telling Diggory, here's where you're going to go. And he's like, here's the three landmarks that you're going to look for to find this uh, to find this garden with the tree in it. <laughs> the valley <laughs> and the hill. And the lake. And the lake. And that's every episode ever of Dora the Explorer. And I was I'm just like. Map, I'm the map. <laughs> if there's a place you need to go, I'm the one you need to know. I'm the map. And on this discussion of maps, we have them <laughs> flying off. And we have this moment between uh, Diggory and Polly where Diggory is just like, I wonder what all of these places are, what they're called. I wish there was someone here to tell us what all of these places are. Hmm. And Polly's like, well, I don't suppose they're anywhere yet. Except isn't she the one who also says, and that's where Arkenland is going to be? Like, apropos of nothing. Like, she's just like, yeah, that spot over there, I know what that's going to be. I'm not sure. But I feel like he did reference a land across the sea. So if she uh, saw something across the sea, then she would be like, hey, that has to be what Aslan said was across the sea. Which got to be a really small sea. So I, I don't think they're high enough up to see the curvature of the planet. I mean, they are so high. <laughs> Eagles are screaming beneath them. 
the pigeons are <laughs> screaming beneath them. You've so, heard a pigeon scream. <laughs> I just, yes, I have. Have you heard a pigeon scream? No, that sounds terrible. It's not a good time. Oh. Um, so. Learning things here. <laughs> we had this moment of this, like, brief touch on history mm-hmm. and how they have entered into a world that has no history. And mm-hmm. it seemed to me like this not even like a blank slate or blank palette, but just like almost empty in the way that it has no history. Like we, we live in a very young country and that takes so much pride in its history. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you talk to someone from like, from England and they're like, yeah, I live in a house that's older than your country. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, but I still take so much pride <laughs> in the history of, my country or my you know city or whatever it may be my sports team like whatever it is that you take so much pride in like there's just so much history there yeah because i mean and and this is a world with no history and even the kids are remarking on it just like well what do you think that place is and what do you think that it's nothing Mm -hmm. it's nothing yet yeah it's nowhere yet and to me that's like sad yeah. I know that it's like whimsical and delightful to be able to be like, hey, this is a world that's in the process of formation. Like the birth of Narnia mm-hmm. was so inspiring to me being like, and the stars are singing and there's this song of creation and things are coming into existence one by one. Mm-hmm. But then you have this moment of realization that there's just no history here. Yeah. And that to me was kind of crushing to be like, yeah, there's a whole bunch of places that literally have no history, no name, no claim to anything. Like, sure, in, in 150 years, this is going to be the place where this person was born and this person influenced so-and-so. And there was this great thing and there was this really pretty tree. But, like, right now, it is just, an I mean, like, it's full of life and creative force and energy. But it's just... The emptiness of it is kind of like, to me, a little devastating to see the world that I know is Narnia mm-hmm. that's going to be so full and vibrant. And, and and at the same time, like when we get introduced to it from the get-go in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, it's like under this curse and it's this perpetual winter. Like I'm seeing it as that again, like mm-hmm. this perpetual emptiness. Mm-hmm. I um, think I'm done. You can talk now. Well, I was going to comment on that and say that you can build this into your growing fan theory that Narnia is Charn. Uh, and we have this, you know, mirror image where we go to Charn and Charn is dead and empty and lifeless because it had all this history and now nobody's there and it's gone. And the the mirror image of that is Narnia, which has no history because it's brand new and nobody's gone there yet. Hmm. And it's this almost perfect reverse that happens. And it is it is the redemptive arc. It's that same kind of redemptive arc that you're talking about with Diggory, where we mm-hmm. now, if this is the world that was is essentially replacing Charn, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, we had a world that had no... If it wasn't for the witch telling them, like, oh, this is where, you know, the torture chambers were and things like that, they would have no... No, no, no knowledge, nothing. 
And uh-huh. as soon as she left that world, if it ceased to exist at that point because there was no history, mm-hmm. like, that's what I'm afraid of happening to Narnia here, where Narnia is, like, historyless. Uh-huh. Is it going to cease to exist? Well, we, we know it doesn't. Obviously, uh, <laughs> obviously, we know it doesn't. But we also have, like, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to hold on to the potential of this world. Uh-huh. But it is... Uh, you're pointing out to me that it it is a redemptive element. Sorry, it is a redemptive element. Yeah, I mean, and we could, you know, go into all sorts of philosophical discussions about that and how time is a flat circle, and we could talk about, you know, uh, Nietzsche's idea of the eternal recurrence where everything that has ever happened will happen endlessly over and over and over again, and that's the way the universe is. Uh, Redundancy is redundant. Uh-huh. Uh, and maybe that's that's something that Lewis is vaguely referencing here, which would take it you know very far outside the realm of the Christian mythology that it's steeped in. But we've already discussed several key differences with that anyway. Uh, but I, I I don't know. There there's there's no. I don't think he's trying to say anything deeply philosophical in the magician's nephew. I really don't. <laughs> like there's there's a few there's a few good lines in it. Um, like this line that you had underlined when you read the chapter uh so anyway this exchange right here that says uh well i do think someone might have arranged about our meals said diggory i'm sure aslan would have if you'd asked him said fledge wouldn't he know without being asked said polly i've no doubt he would said the horse still with his mouth full but i've sort of idea he likes to be asked yeah, that is, I mean, that's a good line, and that's why I underlined it, obviously, because it was, I'm going to stop saying obviously in this episode at some point. <laughs> it was a good line, because it has this moment of, like, revelation of the character of Aslan through mm-hmm. uh, observation of different characters, and it it may or may not be accurate about Aslan's character, mm-hmm. but it's what Fledge perceives him to be, even though Fledge is... A character that Aslan came to and was like, "You want this? Okay, here." <laughs> you know, and Fledge didn't ask Aslan if he could be a flying horse. He didn't ask to be involved in this redemptive story. He didn't ask to be a part of this. He doesn't, you know, he didn't say like, "Hey, can I help you?" Like he didn't volunteer. He just was there, and Aslan was like, "Here's a thing. You got it." And yet, Fledge is the character who is saying. Yeah, I think he probably likes being asked. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I feel like it's an interesting... The deep wisdom of Fludge. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Who really likes grass. Like, he finds some choice grass in these hills. <laughs> he, he There's, just, there's just, some good grass. He chows down. He likes to get high. <laughs> it's a PJ-rated podcast. <laughs> On that sweet, sweet grass. Uh-huh. Um... But then we have Diggory and Polly being resourceful people that they are, attempting to do exactly what Uncle Andrew wanted to do by bringing scrap metal here and planting it to use this growing energy Hmm. of the creation. And they're like, we could do that with the food that we have. Mm -hmm. It's just candy, but we could do it. Let's plant it. Uh-huh. And I fully expect that this won't work. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I'm like, they want to grow a toffee tree, 
Like, they're going to plant the ninth toffee. They're each going to have four toffees and plant the ninth one in hopes that it grows into a toffee tree. Like In a world that we've grown a young lamppost. Yes, well, but, <laughs> like, that was prior to Aslan bringing forth the creatures and forming the council. Like, at this point, nothing else is being created. That we know of. That we know of, yeah. But there's still, like, Fledge is the last known creation. Ooh. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that was a lot more dramatic than that statement deserved. But like, I mean, that was a, that's a hefty title. Yeah. Just put that after your name. Fledge, father of all flying horses, last known creation. <laughs> like, ooh. Uh. <laughs> that's, that's an honorific. Um, it anyway. Is, it is. Um, LKC. Last known <laughs> creation. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, like, they have no reason to expect this to work other than the lamppost and Uncle Andrew inspiring possibly this thought that, like, if they brought scrap metal here, it would grow into whatever it was intended to be. Mm-hmm. Also, like, if this does work, I fully expect it to be, like, fully wrapped toffees that are half melted, just like the one they planted that stuck to its paper. Like, that's, you know, mm-hmm. if it did work. Hmm. Well, guess we'll have to get to the next chapter and see if it does. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Who knows what'll happen. Stop acting like... (laughs) Anyway, so... This is... Reading it, uh, I was like, there's no way that this is going to work. Yeah. It shouldn't work. Yeah. I'll be a little sad if it works. So... Because I want Fledge to be the last known creation of Aslan. So the kids stop and they eat candy for dinner. And apparently adults would have scoffed at that and would rather have gone without than eat these toffees. Well, it's it's not just... It is the fact that the toffees have been in her pocket and are all melty and stuck to the paper. Like, they ate paper. Uh-huh. Like, there's a certain point that candy gets to that I don't want to eat it. Yeah. And when I, like, when the paper's stuck to it, like... Yeah. I gotcha. I feel like as pointless as this whole scene is, it does illustrate well the urgency of the situation, I guess, in that Diggory is given this mission by Aslan, and he's like, all right, let's go. Let's do it. Not going to pack lunches or anything. We're not prepared. We're not taking our, you know, go bag or our, you know, hiking kit. We're just going to get on this horse. We're going to go. We don't know how far away it is or how long it's going to take or when we'll be back, but Let's do it. And Aslan doesn't tell them. I mean, they don't ask, but Aslan doesn't tell them. He's just like, I take him, Fledge. And it's also like an immense amount of trust where he's just like, all right, we're going to go up there. Like, he doesn't even ask Aslan, like, hey, is there anything dangerous up there we need to be worried about? And and, I mean, that also could just be because he's dumb. (laughs) Like, you're talking about, like, the same kid who went to rescue Polly with the rings. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, he went because he felt he had to, and he didn't ask any questions. He didn't try to take anything with him. He didn't feel like he needed to prepare in any way. He just went. Uh-huh. Like, this is Diggory we're talking about. Yeah. Like, that's this is exactly what he did when he went to rescue Polly. Brave and stupid. Yeah. Trademark. Yeah. <laughs> or just in a position where he's never had to prepare for something. Like, and so. I feel like that's 80% of his character is an unprepared child. 
Like, this is a child who's not prepared to face the loss of his mother. This is a child who's not prepared to go rescue Polly. This is a child who's not prepared to go to Charn. You know, he's not prepared to end up in Narnia. He's not prepared to go save Narnia. Obviously not a Boy Scout. Yep. (sighs) So. He's even, like... When he become when he's a character later, when he's uh, Professor Kirk in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he's not prepared to supervise these children. <laughs> like they end up in Narnia, and he's like, "I cool, that happened." <laughs> Direct line from the book. Um, <laughs> so we have the toffee eating, and they have this conversation under the stars, and they think they hear something. Is this a red herring? I wrote it twice in my okay. notes. Is this where the red herring is? Yeah. Okay. Like I'm like, is this just a moment where they're like, ooh, is there some danger here in Narnia? Like, Because we literally have no reason to believe that there's any danger here. The only bad thing that's here is Uncle Andrew, who's currently planted knee-deep in Narnia mm-hmm. and buried with water. And we have... And the witch. The witch, who just ran off, disappeared. Like, there is only one thing that this sound could be, and it's the witch. And for whatever reason, like, I don't know if this is like a danger thing or just like a, hey, don't be dumb. But when Aslan is giving him the instructions for this journey, he's just like, hey, stick to the valleys. Don't go over those mountains. Don't do it. We don't really know why that is, but. (sighs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think think part of that is just cold yeah <laughs> uh, staying uh-huh. warm uh-huh um he's telling fledge to fly through the valleys as much as possible follow the valleys mm-hmm. and not try to fly over the mountains but then in the lion the witch and the wardrobe it's up in the mountains that the witch has made her home yes so we don't know at this point if she's already tried to find a place and try to build a realm for herself or not but also like they flew on a flying horse. Uh-huh. It's been less than seven hours. Like, the witch could not have caught up with them. Yeah. If she was running, sprinting along the ground yep. as they flew on uh-huh. a flying horse. How'd she get over that giant cliff? How'd she get up the cliff? <sighs> like, it's not the witch. Except, is it? It is the witch. But, like, (laughs) is it the witch? Is it just a red herring? And that's why I write red herring. Because I'm like, well, it can't be the witch. Because she couldn't have caught up with them. Mm -hmm. I guess so. Um, So that's what happens in the chat. Is there anything else you want to touch on? I feel like we've covered everything. No, you've hit all of my notes. Grief, (laughs) toffee tree question mark, red herring question mark, history. Those are all of my notes. And then they go to sleep. Yeah. I just feel like we should talk about more because like you know our our listeners demand a certain length of episode these angry emails that we get every week who said what <laughs> nobody anyway i like to pretend that we have a rabid fan base okay that we don't actually have anyway uh if if you are a rabid fan of this podcast please tweet at us at uh chronically pod on twitter You're, <laughs> you sound desperate <laughs> This is desperation. All right. So we have gotten through the chapter. Mm -hmm. They go to sleep. Fledge stays awake a little bit longer. And he's got some little twitches. Yeah. 
But other than that, they fall asleep under Fledge's wings. They re-snuggled, if that is the correct word. They re Which is a line I wanted to bring up. They re-snuggled <laughs> under Fledge's wings. And Fledge holds them like they are fledgling birds that he has been entrusted to care for. Mm-hmm. And he watches over them. He, he sleeps last. Mm-hmm. And then we have them sleeping. And that is... That's the chapter wrap-up. That's all that happens. So, are you ready for Narnia? Hashtag. Chopped and screwed. <laughs> I, I am ready, Kristen. Uh, for those of you who don't listen to the podcast on a regular basis, this is... Why? A... <laughs> that was desperate. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't listen, uh, this is a segment we do every week where... We go back through the chapter when we find five sentences that we like to create a completely new story uh, that's just our own little creative exercise, and we try to have fun with it. Because so, otherwise, we do nothing creative in our lives. Absolutely not. We uh, don't even decorate a Christmas tree. No, we're avoiding that tonight. Anyway, so you read your summary first, so I'll go ahead and read my sentences first. Get her done. I'll try. Here we go. But we can't eat grass, said Diggory. Oh, don't be silly, said Polly, stamping her foot. You might like it better than you think. Hmm, hmm, said Fledge, speaking with his mouth full. Is it good, Fledge, said Aslan. So that's my story, and and, and my bit, you have to take a step back with me. Because you didn't rewrite uh. anything, like... Uh, I did in my... Is this about weed? No, it's not about weed. I thought about that. I thought about... Because it would be really easy. And I thought about doing that. But With your fa- trees? Family... Three f- chapters away. Family-friendly podcast. So my vision for this uh, story it's is that... family-friendly. Is that Aslan is just sitting there hanging out in a chef's hat. <laughs> and he's just like, I just made this planet. Is the grass tasty? And he's just desperately wanting approval from people about how good his uh, his plants taste, and See, that's that <laughs> takes away from the rewrite na- nature of it. That that was my vision. That's where I came from. All right. Well, <sighs> clearly this chapter just has to do with people needing to eat, and we didn't touch on that at all uh-huh. because mine's also about people needing to eat. People. Oh my god. <laughs> I am hungry," said Diggory. It only makes things worse. No, but people will get there, said Diggory. There was nine of them, all told. Polly and Diggory stared at one another in dismay. Okay, where are you coming from with that look? Oh, no, it's just about cannibalism, that's all. And our family-friendly podcast. I feel like that is not apparent at all. Okay, like yeah, not... I know. <laughs> because I had two sentences left out because I had to limit myself to five. Uh-huh. Well, whose dumb idea was that? Um, anyway. <laughs> I am hungry, said Diggory. It only makes things worse. No, but people will get there, said Diggory. There was nine of them, all told. This was a difficult job but they managed it in the end. It'll be better than nothing. Polly and Diggory stared at one another in dismay. What's wrong with you? 
I was going to repeat the dismay. <sighs> I was going to start with the Polly and Diggory and dismay and end with the Polly and Diggory and Pollery. Pollery. Pollery and dismay. <laughs> That's her new name after she becomes the mother of all, I don't know. Fledglings. Fledglings. God. So. <sighs> Toffee trees. Yeah. So that's the that's the chapter. I mean, both of us did our rewrites based on hunger. Yeah. And I feel like every time we do these rewrites, we touch on something that's distinct in the chapter that we didn't necessarily pull out in our discussion. Like, we have these people that are hungry and mm-hmm. that they needed they needed something mm-hmm. that wasn't provided for them. Uh huh. And yet, like when we talked about. Fledge saying, I think Aslan likes to be asked. It feels very much like a a stretch to be like, well, this is what both of us pulled out of this as a as a rewrite potential is how hungry they are. Yeah. It's, 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 that's interesting. Uh, I mean, we could, we could go into like some deep meaningless analysis about how every character in this chapter is hungry for something. Uh, you know, Fledge, it's just grass, but Diggory, it's, you know... Something to help his mom. Something to help his mom, and Polly is to, you know, be a character. Um, <laughs> I think that's what her and Nellie are whispering about in the beginning of the chapter. It's like, hey, you notice how we don't really get any lines in this book? And he's like, yeah, yeah. About that. I want to go with him. Aslan, I want to go with him, and because Aslan's just like might be a character. And then Aslan's just like, what are you women chattering about over there? You daughters of Eve. <laughs> Just a weird moment. The daughters of Eve seem to be discussing something. Like there's just two, there's just two ladies having a conversation, and Aslan's like, "What is that over there all about?" Because when that, two uh... women start talking, <laughs> strong men take notice and want to shut that down. <laughs> I didn't want to get into that little scene there. Yeah, uh... well, you did, and so now we're gonna talk about it. No. All right, so let's get into your favorite part of. Just the look of sarcasm on your face with that. You're I really missing don't out, think listeners. that it came across in it my voice. It did not come across all. in your voice at all. Um, at all. So I think the... Sarcasm who? Never matter. So I like to go through and rate the chapter on a scale from one to five based on how well I think the chapter did what it's out to do. And I always pick a different uh, star system, as it were. And I think this one is very obvious, and we have to do it out of toffee trees. I was going to say out of toffees. Or maybe just toffee wrappers. Uh, pigeons? Horse-sized pigeons. Oh, uh, mess. Okay. What mess is this? <laughs> what mess have you wrought upon Narnia? Uh, sure. So like, Horse-sized yeah. pigeons. I know. It's, it's crazy. What about when Fledge needs to... Go. Yeah, he has the whole country. I mean, nobody's living in so much of this area. He yes, but flying horses in the future <sighs> will huh? be considered pests <sighs> and such a pestilence upon the land of Narnia. Just picture an old lady out in her field just shooing the flying horses away from the crops. <laughs> <sighs> like <sighs> the broom. Giant scarecrows uh-huh. to keep the flying horses away. <sighs> A terrifying world, that is. But they're talking creatures, so they can just be like, hey, can you leave me alone? Mm -hmm. Like those discussions about the spiders living in the bathroom. Uh Like, if I could just talk with them. 
hey, not cool that you're in here. Could you yeah. be somewhere else? Yeah, sure, bro. This is your space. Yeah. It's a terrifying universe that they live in. Like a... So, oh. horse-sized pigeons. All right. So, as I said at the beginning of this, this is boring chapter. Uh, and you're I th- a boring chapter. I, I know. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's why... I don't know. Despite the fact that I was like, this is what I want the rest of the book to be, and this is what I think would make a better story, like as on its own within the context of the rest of the book, and that I know it's a super self-contained thing. It's it's almost kind of pointless, and we have this whole segment about the toffee but tree. But there's so much redemption. We talked about redemption. Redemption, redemption is like a noble story. It is a noble story, but we talk about the toffee tree, which isn't important. We talk a lot about lands that don't have anything in them, and like that, which is important to the redemption yeah. of Charn. <laughs> which isn't a plot point in this book. Maybe. They, <laughs> Uh, we, we, we talk about, you know, Fledge eating grass and liking grass a lot. And it's just like, it seems like a lot of like little pointless vignettes. And that's why I did the summary the way that I did, where everything important happens before they get on the horse in the first place. Where the important thing that happens in this chapter is that Aslan asks Diggory to do something to redeem himself. Diggory says yes, and I guess Polly's along too. Whatever. Uh, didn't love it. If Polly hadn't come, Diggory would have eaten grass for dinner. Gosh, uh, two and a half horse-sized pigeons. That's a five. lot of pigeon. Yeah. You gave it a lot of pigeon. Uh, you know what, let's go. No, yeah, you're right. Two. Two horse-sized pigeons out of five. This might be my lowest rating for any chapter in this book. Okay. It has begun to rain. Ooh. Okay. But, go ahead. <laughs> Okay, with your <laughs> response and your your well, wrap up. I mean, in in all sincerity, I feel like this chapter has, upon discussion, has a lot more to offer than you're giving it credit for, and I feel like this chapter genuinely has taken a lot on in this redemptive arc. Um, I do agree that it is kind of a go nowhere chapter. And everything that's in this chapter could have been said in like one or two pages. Especially when we get into the next chapter and we find out that like they accomplish this task and get back in the next chapter. Like it's not this story that it could be. Yep. Two sentences devoted to getting back. Spoilers. (laughs) Well then. Uh Uh-huh. We don't even need to post chapter 13. Uh Uh-huh. And then... um, but with that said, I do feel like upon our discussion, I've ha- I have to raise my rating. Mm-hmm. Like I, it, it would have started at kind of a, a middle of the road, but now we're we're at least halfway to Arkland. Arkenland, what's the name of the place? Arkenland or Arkenland. Yeah, we're on a boat at least, <laughs> so I give it a boat. <sighs> cool. Yeah. Would you would you like to sign this off, Kristen? I feel like you are defeated in a way that you are oft not defeated. I usually am when you when you just, you know, flaunt the frivolity of my rating system and I appreciate <laughs> this. I feel like it's a moment of wrap up that I don't otherwise get. Uh-huh. I, I respect the rating system for you. 
I respect my right and I reserve my right to have a different system. Mm-hmm. So if you Thank would you. like to give us your rating out of fat pigeons or boats, you can uh, hit us up uh, at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram or tweet at us at Chronically Podcast on Twitter, hashtag fat pigeons. And you could also email us your fan art of pigeon-sized horses um, or horse-sized pigeons. Or toffee trees. Or horse-sized toffee trees at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. On behalf of my co-host, Chris. Hi. Bye. Bye. (laughs) I'm Kristen, and I hope that you have a very pleasant toffee, paper-free toffee-eating evening. Thank you. Diggory dabba dee dabba die, dabba dee dabba die, diggory dabba die. Welcome to Chronically Narnia. Let's try that without a big noise. Welcome to Chronically Narnia, Chapter 12, Strawberry's Adventure. Let's try that again without the phone. Look, Ma, no hooves. (laughs) Yo, listen up, here's the podcast about a little book of the Narnia. No. Yo, listen up, here's the podcast about a little book called Narnia. No, the syllables aren't working. About a little guy that lived in a blue world. That's that that's a lot of syllables.